Welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Andrew Chrisman for Senior Housing News. On today's episode, I spoke with Bill Bunting, franchise and sales support with Avondale Assisted Living, a small home franchiser based in North Carolina. The demand for senior housing is only going to grow in the coming years. As a franchiser, Avondale is focusing on expanding its model throughout North Carolina to as many as 50 locations in the coming months. It's very, I would say, comfortable for me to say and realistic that we could see 50 franchisees individually sign up by the end of 2024, and we could see unit economics over 50 within 2024. But before we get to that interview, I'd like to take a moment to highlight our upcoming sales and marketing summit in Tampa, Florida on February 29th and March 1st, 2024. Hear from industry experts and renowned speakers and learn new strategies, execution methods, and inspiration for recharging and rebooting sales and marketing for the year ahead. For more information, visit SeniorHousingNews.com slash events. Now, here's my interview with Bill Bunting, franchise and sales support for Avondale Assisted Living. Bill Bunting, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right, let's go ahead and get right into this then. So, Avondale Assisted Living is a small home franchise operator. First, could you give us an overview of what exactly what this means and how you do business? Sure. Um, you know, well, one, we didn't start as a franchise model. You know, we started as a mom and pop, like anyone, one location back in 2003. Um, our CAO, Esther Cromwell, came from Sierra Leone, Africa, kind of educated herself a couple times throughout the process, a couple degrees, a couple masters, and worked her way from New York down to North Carolina, opened up her first home. So it was very small layout. It was a uh, our smallest footprint home. And just like anyone that starts a business from the ground up, it, you know, it was trials, tribulations, and get trying to get into the business model for the first time took about two years for her to open that first home. Um, fast forward, of course, uh, to 2015, we became a franchise model. She decided at that point she had 11 homes under corporate operations. So she just didn't jump in the franchising. But once she did, of course, infrastructure, support, understanding what that was going to look like to grow the franchise model. And the franchise model is really a proven system of support, a proven system of a business model that exists. So for us, over the course of 12 years, Esther proved out the business model through opening 11 homes, duplicating the model over and over and over again. And that is just like an evolution of a franchise and how that works. So she decided at that point, there was a lot of inquiries coming in, people saying, help us. We want to be a part of this business model. We don't know how to do it. And it made sense for her to evolve into a franchise. And with that, the franchise model, again, if a franchisee joins us versus doing it on their own, I say doing it as a mom and pop, they, they get everything in a, in a box, in a bow, I say, pretty much handed to them. So we provide the systems, the proven systems, the training, the operational support, the technology, the years of experience uh, that is going to be actually supporting that franchisee through starting up their location, going through construction, going through licensing, becoming an actual open residential assisted living home doesn't happen overnight. So we walk them through that whole process from start to finish. I always say we hold their hand. If you're a CPA, we still teach you how to do the books under Avondale and how to run a business under Avondale. If you're a lawyer, we still 
show you how to review the contracts. And we still provide the contracts to how to work with the residents. Uh, if you're an insurance agent, we still provide you with our insurance companies that were proven to work with us, provide competitive rates that cover everything we need. So the franchise model, again, provides everything to someone that may or may not know how to get into business. And when they get into business, how do they actually accomplish the task of opening a business? Franchising allows them to go from start to finish with that proven system. And again, what I say, the proven business model through years of experience of operating this business model is why you would join a franchise because we've ever done there. We've made some mistakes. We've corrected those mistakes. We've proven what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And for a franchisee, they have now a blueprint to step right in and a path for success from day one where they're not figuring it out on their own. And franchising, they're in business for themselves, but not by themselves. It is their business, but there's a whole level of support to help them from start to finish and then ongoing with their business support. So sticking with this franchise theme, we know that you operate under the Residential Assisted Living Franchise System, and we've heard about RAL a few times over the years, but what does that mean exactly? Sure. Um, you know, we are not the only ones doing this, of course. there There's consultants out there. There's mom and pops out there that exist that get into it for the first time. Um, and then there's franchises out there, of course. There's, there's corporate entities out there that exist that do residential assisted living. And what it is, is it's, it's a great alternative to the larger facilities. They, they exist. Um, they're great. You know, they're, they're, they're six to $8 million build out facilities, 30, 60, 90 beds. You see them popping up everywhere now at this point around the country, there's a need. There's 1.3 million beds still needed to support the ongoing community of seniors that we're going to see turning over 65 that are going to need assisted living support. So there's those large facilities exist. And then there's the alternative, which is us, the residential assisted living model, where it's mom and dad living in a home in a residential community. It could be a block or two from the kids, from the grandkids in, a, in a, an exact same similar home setup where we're providing the same level of quality care of those larger facilities at a more personalized, intimate setting which mom and dad truly, they, they, they want to age in place in a home, and we provide that setting for them. The residential assisted living model provides that setting for years. It's evolved over 20, 30 years to have a lot of technology support, have a lot of what I would say residential regulations and requirements come into play to open these. And that's, of course, where the franchise comes into play. But residential assisted living, this isn't the first time it's been around, but in certain communities, it is the first time it's been around. It's something new. And it provides, again, that alternative to the larger facilities to when mom and dad cannot stay at home any longer for many reasons. It provides that alternative where they can still be in a home-like setting, living independently, living safe, living comfortably. We provide everything that those large assisted living facilities provide from doctors to nurses to physical therapists to dentists to animal therapists to activities, everything that they have, we just provide in more of an intimate setting in our homes. All those services come into our homes just like they are available in those larger facilities. So there's no difference from the care provided and the services provided 
it's just more of a personalized, intimate setting for mom and dad where they're able to, what I would say, function like they would want to still and live in a setting where they're comfortable. Okay. So I feel like we've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but I was wondering, could you just tell me a little bit about why did you decide to, you know, go with the franchise route uh, rather than the more traditional route of kind of slowly growing an operating company that either owns communities or takes on third-party management? So originally that was the plan up till 2015, you know, the 12 years leading up to the actual franchise model was based on scaling, proven, um, working out the kinks, uh, providing additional systems that make sense for a franchise model. Um, and at the point where you can only grow so fast. So Esther was opening, you know, one, two homes a year for a, a number of years, but at some point, you look at the amount of people that are asking for her support. She's on the boards in North Carolina. Again, we're getting to some of the regulatory uh, laws that she's changed and formed in North Carolina. So she was at the foundation of everything when it comes to residential assisted living in North Carolina. And so for her, there was a lot of interest for her to support people opening. Initially, it was her just letting people kind of consult with her, not on a franchise level. And then it went to a franchise level where it made sense. She said, let me look into what franchising is about. That's my background. Honestly, that's where I started was franchising. She got into franchising and just like anyone, she operated more like a mom and pop initially in the franchise space, had a lot more corporate locations. You know, today, obviously we have mainly franchise locations and less corporate locations, but for her, it made sense to step in the franchise and she was almost at 15 years of experience operating. And there was a lot of people within the state of North Carolina, but also outside the state that were asking for her knowledge and support. And you have to franchise at some point because you can't just give away the business model, support franchisees, get them open. You, you, you are at that point operating like a franchise model. So for, for her, it made sense to evolve into a franchise model, to bring in a team and to infrastructure to support franchisees and grow. Um, so it wasn't a decision overnight. The company just didn't come about in a franchise level overnight. I mean, you're talking about over a decade of experience and time developing and working in the business model prior to even stepping into the franchise space. So I have looked over your site and I believe that your your franchise fees are around $40,000. So let's say that I'm a small home operator in your system. What do I get for paying that franchise fee? So the, the franchise fee is like the entry fee into a franchise company. It exists in any business model, not just ours. Any franchise business model usually has an entry franchise fee. For us, that covers a lot of the similarities to if you were open up a McDonald's, if you were open up a mechanic shop, a service business where we need to do a lot of beginning stage items, right? We're going to initially get you signed up. We have our trademark, our protected manuals, everything that you're going to get access to initially that you're signing up with. So you get all of the initial materials, the name, the ability to use the trademark, the brand name. And that's just the entry in. And then there's a whole level of support needed to get them open. So we're helping them with initially licensing, zoning, permits. Then we're helping them through the construction phase, site selection, helping them through that. We have a project manager that works through that process with them, holds their hand, helps them through the initial process of finding the home, 
then getting the initial general contractors in place or contractors to renovate, leasehold, improve that home, and then licensing and permits to get the home to a point where we can get it open. That is all on the franchise side where they would be learning how to do that on their own and actually doing that on their own. We have all of the systems, the manuals, the checklists, everything that's technology driven now walks them through that process. Then we provide the training support to get them open. If they need an administrator license, we coach them and educate and train them on that side of the business because you will need to operate and have a license to operate the home. We train them on how to be a business owner. They spend weeks with us in North Carolina, and then we spend weeks with them in their business when they open and get ready to open. Many support visits are going on before. There's a lot of team in place. We're doing the social media, the website, the SEO setup. We are supporting them as like every part of starting a business, we're there for them. And that's what they're paying that initial fee for. The market and support, the initial grand open and support are methods to get residents as well as work with referral partners, our initial relationship marketing support. That's all part of that franchise fee. And then, of course, there is an ongoing royalty. And that royalty is typical to any other franchise company, again, where that pays for the ongoing support that we provide, all of the compliance, the technology, R&D, the team that we have in place, the marketing team, we have the press team, we have our executive team, we have a board We have six to eight team members that are on a daily basis working with our franchisees to help grow their businesses. So all of that helps ongoing with that royalty. But to answer your question, everything that I went through is a lot. It takes, you know, anywhere from three to six months and they don't have to worry about it. We give them the blueprint. We give them everything for them to be able to get that business open successfully, as well as walk them through that process. So that's that initial franchise fee covers all that. Okay. So then as the franchisor, how do you get the most out of your franchisees? Do do they approach you looking to get into the business? What What's the demand for kind of doing this, especially if they're wanting to become this small home assisted living operator? Well, we have several, I would say, candidates that approach us, franchisee uh-huh. candidates that approach us that, that, that are good for the business model, that are excited about it, that want to be a part of it, but they don't know how, of course. Uh, They don't have the blueprint, they don't have the proven system, and they don't want to recreate the wheel and make some mistakes. Some of the regulatory for someone starting out is is very difficult, of course, because they don't have a website with 20 plus locations. They don't have 20 plus years of experience. They, They don't have an executive team. They don't have documents that they can provide to a potential licensor, a planning and zoning board. They don't have that. So they're showing up with a pad of paper saying, I want to open up this business model. A lot of times they don't even get a call back, honestly. And for us, that's not the case, of course, because we're there to support them from start to finish. When a franchisee comes to us, it's because they don't want to do it on their own, right? They want to be in business for themselves, but absolutely not by themselves. And they understand a franchise model is a way to go. They see various models from hotels to mechanic shops, to food service all around their neighborhood, right? That they can understand. There's multiple Jersey Mike's here. That system's proven. It works. There's multiple McDonald's over it. They understand that the brand works and you can have multiple McDonald's. You can have multiple franchises within a 10, 20 mile radius and all of them be very successful because of the brand support and the brand standard and the actual brand itself that grows as you open more franchise locations. 
So for franchisees, they come to us for a lot of those reasons. But the candidate itself, it could be for us someone that is trying to get out of their current job and get into a business and they have a passion for senior care. We have found in the recent, a lot of real estate investors honestly come in and say in, um, the Airbnb space has not dried up, but slowed certain spaces. And they're looking for a sound investment to put their money where 10, 20, 30 years, they know this residential assisted living home is still going to be there and they don't necessarily have to rent it out. They don't have to Airbnb it. So we, we've seen real estate investors and we've seen a lot of medical professionals like nurses and CNAs and doctors and physicians and people that are just, they want to get out of that space, but still be involved for caring for people, helping the community, helping seniors. So it's not one specific candidate. There's multiple candidates that we see coming to us that are interested in Avondale. Um, but I think they all are focused on, they don't want to do it on their own and they find us. We are not looking for them necessarily. We, we love that they come to us, but we're not out there searching, paying for leads. We have almost all of our leads come through us organically through our website for people that just want to get into this business. And then, of course, we do work with consultants and brokers and people that work with people that are looking to get into a business that don't know how to do it. They go to a consultant, they go to a broker, and they're like their coach. They help them through the process of fitting them in the right business that makes sense financially for them and makes sense for the industry that they should be in and want to be in, maybe. So for them, they're like a matchmaker. And a lot of times, these consultants also matchmake for Avondale, and they think Avondale is a great fit for their potential candidates they have. And we match make through that avenue as well. So there's there's multiple outlets that we have franchisees come to us, but I would say a majority of our franchisees come through our website, honestly, organically, finding us and searching on Google. So going to be shifting gears here a little bit. And I know that you've already, you already touched on this a little bit. I know when there was initial contact between your company and us at Senior Housing News, that there was a quote that really stood out to me that was, you know, that you had evolved the model for small home senior living. And that, you know, when I spoke with you previously, that there were some regulations in North Carolina that were changed in order to allow you to do that. I was wondering, could you kind of talk about what you meant by evolving the model and kind of the process of getting those regulations changed? Back in the early like 2000s, before 2010, um, most residential assistant live-in Seniors were able to age in our homes. They were able to get all the services still. The doctors, the nurses could still come in and provide services. Our caregivers could still provide around the clock 24-7 care. Uh, we have a three-to-one, the five-to-one ratio in most of our homes, depending on if you have six, to eight, to ten beds. So we still had all that in place at this point. But at a certain point, unfortunately, our residents, they didn't want to leave. The kids of those residents, they didn't want their resident to leave. They didn't want their mom or dad to leave. But we were not in a position to have them age in place past a certain time. We couldn't allow hospice to come in our homes at that point. If there was a certain point, they had to move to a lot of times nursing homes. Uh, a large system living was not really prevalent back then. There weren't everywhere. So nursing homes were pretty much the, the norm back there. Or they went home to their family and the family had the burden through the end-of-life care, which which is probably what they were not wanting to do it and why they took them to an assisted living facility initially was to have that level of security, that peace of mind that they're being taken care of by proper certified CNAs, caregivers. 
now we're in a position where we're telling them they have to go back to them at the end of their life. So for Esther, she was the first in Wake County. And you think about right, that's Raleigh, Durham. That's that whole market right there. It's a huge developed, you know, that was one of the living centers of America, one of the fastest growing centers of America for 10 plus years. And for her, this was, didn't exist. It was, you had to do this after we had to discharge the resident. And she was able to contact the state, the county, county monitor, get the planning and zoning board for Wake County. And everyone told her something different. No one knew who was going to inspect, who was going to handle this, how you were going to get a sprinkler system installed, how you were going to update fire safety features, what was required to have residents stay age in place to the end of their life. And for her, it took probably three to five meetings of bringing everyone together saying, you're saying this, you're saying this, no one's on the same page, nothing's uniformed. How How do we get to a point where I can have ambulatory and non-ambulatory residents age in place through the end of their life. And two years it took her through all these different agencies determining who was going to handle it, honestly, because no one knew who was going to inspect because no one had done it before. And then the sprinkler system companies are used to doing commercial spaces. So she couldn't get a call back for probably 20, 30 companies that were just like, I don't even know the first thing about zoning a residential assisted living home to add a sprinkler system. So more red tape. She, she eventually moved past that through finding a company that was willing to put in the work, handle the permits. And it, it wasn't an easy task because, again, educated now, planning, zoning, fire marshal. And they didn't have plans in place. They didn't know what to inspect. They didn't know how to handle this. So after two years, finally, everything's in place, updated the home to be able to accept ambulatory, non-ambulatory residents through end of life. And we got it inspected and we were the first in Wake County and truly the first in North Carolina to have a residential assisted living home that a senior did not have to leave. They were able to, because we had the safety features. We had the necessary fire features in case of an emergency to be able to operate as an assisted living residential assisted living home at that level of care for someone that couldn't necessarily get out on their own. They needed assistance to get out at that point. That's, what was not available before. Now, the safety features allow someone to be there and God forbid something did happen of an emergency, everything's in place to be handled at that point. And for us, that was not the case and now it is. Since then, I could give you six to eight regulatory more examples, which I won't go into, of a smaller scale where when inspectors come out, licensors come out, They said, this is what we do because this is what we were trained on. And Esther says, hold on a second, go to the state document right here that states this. No, 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 you have to change that. You can't inspect like this. You have to change your regulatory inspection sheet because it's not matching with the state uniformity here. So she's educated and actually helped transform how inspections work on a yearly basis in the entire North Carolina market as well. So we've talked a bit about your past and kind of the franchise model as a whole, but I was wondering if we could actually kind of like look ahead to the future a little bit. You know, we recently wrote a story about how you're planning for some fast growth in the pretty near future. Um, I was wondering, could you tell us kind of what that growth could look like as we're going into 2024? No, absolutely. Um, You know, over the course of the last six months, we've had a lot of qualified and excited potential franchise partners come through North Carolina, go through our franchise process, which it's not an overnight process. It takes time. And we want to make sure that 
they're making the right decision getting involved with Avondale, of course, and we're making the right decision partnering with them as a franchise partner. So I can tell you we've probably had over 100 prospective franchise partners actually fly or drive to Raleigh, meet with the team, go through our standard discovery day, we call it. And we see those franchise partners excited to grow multiple locations. So we, 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 we would love to have franchisees have multiple locations because that's the business model really where you hit that success point when you have multiple locations. So for us, it's exciting to see a lot of franchisee perspectives coming in that are interested in buying multiple franchises under the Avondale business model. We see that. And so we see us obviously moving ahead with a lot of those franchisees that are going to be signing over the next several months here that have went through the process. And then we brought on a team and infrastructure. We brought on six to eight team members. We brought on the social media company to support the franchisee that's going to help them initially operate. The marketing companies there to help them initially operate. So we've infrastructured ahead of the growth right now. We brought in key executives from other senior living, assisted living companies, both in the franchise space and non-franchise space, honestly. And we've fine-tuned the model on the technology side where technology now drives a lot of the business. So we feel like we are in a position to grow where we have infrastructure ahead of that growth, which is always honestly the best way to grow. And a lot of the franchise models that are successful that do turn on at some point and grow quickly is because they've infrastructured ahead. They've set up the initial support system to be able to grow and handle 15, 20, 30, 40 franchises opening at once, honestly. I've done it before with other businesses. Our executive team has done it with other businesses before. So we know everything is in place to kind of hit the gas a little bit. We have so many people that are excited that want to join us. So it's just a matter of selecting and qualifying the right franchise candidates that are going to be partnered with us long-term that want to open residential assisted living under Avondale. So that's where we foresee a lot of the growth in 2024. And, you know, I, I did say on multiple uh, interviews at this point where it's it's very, I would say, comfortable for me to say and realistic that we could see 50 franchisees individually sign up by the end of 2024. And we could see unit economics over 50 within 2024 with the amount of interest and the amount of people that have already come through our door. So if you do get that 50 that you, that you could see happening, how would that increase your overall footprint then compared to where you are now? Well, I can tell you, you know, we, we, we always have interest in the Raleigh market, the Durham market, where we have what I would say the largest market share and out of any, you know, mom and pop, any other residential assisted living company, we exist over 15 locations there at this point with more under construction. So we see probably, you know, 15, 20 more within that market. And then we have Greensboro, we have Charlotte. So we, we see North Carolina still being a focus for Avondale because we know the markets work, we know the market well. And so it would make sense to expand in the markets we know. And we see a lot of Southeast exp- expansion. I mean, we, we just have a, a partner, sister community, Latanya down in Tampa, we partnered with. And she's phenomenal at what she does. She's a, a social media sensation for everyone. Everyone loves her. She's got a huge following. And for us, we were able to partner with her where she loved what Esther does. She calls Esther the goat of franchising and this model. she's That's Esther. She's the goat to Latanya because she's done so much. So rather than Latanya redoing everything and going to franchise herself, she said, 
why don't we join forces and become a company where I can be a part of it? So Latanya is our developer down in Florida. She's got the rights to Florida. Anyone that wants to join down in Florida, you know, Latanya is a partner that's going to be helping oversee and train them. So we have Florida as a major expansion market. We have Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, a lot of inquiries there where we know the markets well. Regulations are similar. And then, honestly, the Northeast right now, Illinois, we have a lot of interest right now outside of our North Carolina comfort zone that I would say where we are know the market well. We now have a team in place of people that do market research ahead. We have our licensing department. We have our project manager, construction manager. So when we go into a new state, we understand prior to even meeting with a franchisee everything about that state that we're about to do business in. So that franchisee still feels comfortable, although maybe we have operated in North Carolina for a while. There's a whole team that has done this for a while that is going to duplicate the model in multiple states. So, you know, I I see us in about 10, 15 states here within the next year, 2024, us being able to move into franchise agreements, maybe not have open locations, but have those homes as well as conversion homes where We have several homes in Charlotte, Mint Hill right now. We're going to be converting in January that are currently operating that want to join Avondale. They they have the model open, but they're just not successful in it right now. They're not getting the residential rates that Avondale has that come in. They don't have the quality caregivers and they don't have the systems, the technology in place. So we are doing models where someone that has been in this for years that just want to convert and be a part of Avondale and be a part of a, a proven system and a large brand that will grow. We have those franchisees that are already operating that are mom and pops that are excited to also convert to us. So for your growth, I know that just like a, a running theme that I've been noticing over the course of this year is just that like this is a tough time for new development. And I was wondering, does this apply to building a small home community Or does the smaller scale of these projects make it easier as a whole? We have adjusted the model slightly based on the real estate market where we have people that are leasing homes right now. And they have a landlord that they found that was willing to do a a extended triple net lease and have them do the leasehold improvements still. But they didn't have to actually buy the real estate. They just had to buy the business, in essence, pay for the leasehold improvements, the initial franchise costs, and they were able to get into that business. So where the real estate cost maybe has adjusted, you know, 30, 40% up, it has taken some people out of the playing field of buying a five to $700,000 home. As before, those homes were three to 500,000. Now they're 500, 700,000. So there is a difference there. So people are able to still get in for under 200,000 in this business without the real estate. We found real estate investors now that are extremely eager, excited to come into the business as well and operate the business, find a partner to be an operating partner. So although we might have lost some people that just say it's half a, over half a million with the real estate is is a lot in this in this in this day and age. So we understand that. But there's been another level of people that have come in that have maybe closed up other industries where they haven't been able to make money in them in the real estate market. Now they look at residential assisted living as a hot market for them, honestly. So they're coming into play, allowing other people to be the business owner still. So we haven't seen a real challenge, I would say. Maybe the candidate's financial qualifications has changed slightly with the real estate market increasing in cost. Um, Also, 
the time frame of homes staying on the market has changed where if you don't put an offer in quickly, there's a chance we could lose that home. So we simultaneously are working with licensing, zoning, making sure we can do business in that home while that franchisee is working through potentially buying that home. So it's that's changed a little bit how we purchased the home too. But it's nothing that we have not been able to move the business model forward. Still everything the same. It's just really the cost of doing business like anything has slightly went up from you know where we were. Uh, if you're doing restaurants, your equipment has went up and the time frame to get that equipment has now been extended. It's just like us, similar where our cost that went up and our time frames went up a little bit as well. Similar to that. There's okay. no difference from us to another business model but we're still able to operate in this current economy, still able to find qualified franchise candidates that are looking to join us that have the qualifications and ability to open one of these homes. So do you, do you know where franchisees are usually getting the financing for these projects? Like are, are they small business loans and, and are you aware of kind of how banks perceive these kinds of projects? I always say like we are very bank friendly. They, they enjoy having this business model because you have to think about 60 to 70% of this business model transaction will be a secured residential real estate property. So for a bank, they look at that as you go open a commercial space, you spend three, $400,000 on leasehold improvements on a strip mall. Normally it's owned by the landlord. Once that's up, that leasehold improvement goes with it. For us, our investment, our real estate still intact after 20, 30 years. And if anything, it's probably went up in value, honestly. So the banks see that as a very secure asset and they're lending with the majority of it being that real estate transaction. So we are SBA approved and preferred. A lot of our loans are go through the SBA where a franchisee will buy the home as well as get the necessary loan to be able to produce the business, to do the leasehold improvements, to pay the franchise fee, to have the working capital in place, to have the furniture's fixture equipment to be able to open one of these, and the time frame to get it open. The bank provides all that financing under one umbrella SBA. Other people go a route where they have a mortgage traditionally, they have a home already, and they look to buy another home and move to that and convert that into a residential assisted living home. So that is also an option where... You don't necessarily have to jump in with one methodology to get into this business. There's multiple ways that you can finance this. Some people buy the mortgage and then convert it into an SBA loan, convert it into a traditional loan. Uh, It really just depends on the route that they want to go and are advised. We have four very, what I would say, qualified, franchise-friendly assisted living friendly banks that understand our business model well, understand residential assisted living well, we usually work with them with all of our franchise candidates. And it usually is an expedited process, seamless process for the franchisee to go through the finance process. They're typically able to pre-qualify prior to signing up. So they don't give us a franchise fee and we start doing all this work and then they go, hey, we can't afford this. Typically, there's a process where the bank will pre-qualify them ahead they feel comfortable with the transaction and investment, then they sign up with the franchise brand at that point. So the banks are along for the whole process. They understand our business model, Avondale, well. We we are very prideful that we do not default on loans. We do not 
close business models like ours. So the banks like us because we understand that we move this real estate based on that being a majority of the bank's interest. So we make that clear to the bank is their investment is secure in the real estate. And the franchisee benefits from the real estate, as you know. Down the road, they end up with a secured asset that's paid off from a business that they can go ahead down the road and resell as part of the business transaction. So I know that we've already kind of touched on this just like a little bit and that like one of the things that you do help with is technology. Um, could you just kind of tell me a little bit more about how you help franchisees with technology and then just kind of what are your thoughts on technology and senior living as a whole as it's been changing, especially over this past year? So from when we evolved, you know, to 2003, it was very mom and pop. Everything's on paper. There wasn't a lot of technology and systems available even. So everything was being defined on a county level. North Carolina wasn't even uniformed on a state level at that point. So regulatory was on a local level. So for, for us, of course, under um, the Avondale model, we have been able to evolve with technology where instead of a caregiver documenting in a manual what happened with a resident an activity that they might have participated in, they decided they weren't going to participate in. Mom and dad stopped eating. They didn't eat as much. They stopped drinking. They didn't want to get out of bed at this time. Everything is recorded into the system that allows the franchisee, it allows the medical professionals to be able to see what's going on live time, to be able to track that through our computer technology that we've developed. It's our proprietary system that's made for residential assisted live in Avondale that allows everything on the day-to-day of that resident to be logged into the system. When the doctor comes in, the specialist, the dentist, they log everything in about that resident at this point when our weekly physician comes in, our doctor that usually handles all the residents in each home on the weekly visit, they log everything in there. So that technology is available for us to be able to work more efficiently, of course, to be able to document things more efficiently, for, to be able to transmit that information more efficiently. That franchisee now has access to that technology. They have access to our HR system that onboards the actual caregiver, any of the actual hiring of the employees goes through our robust HR system that we've set up that's integrated with our online bookkeeping system and our payroll system. So everything can be done remotely from the franchisee, but also technology's driving the business again. We have our training system that's based online technology. So caregivers go through training, franchisees go through training. Part of that's online based. So the franchisee is not by themselves figuring out how to train a caregiver. There's a system that onboards them through HR, and then there's a system that helps train that caregiver on addition to the live experience they get with our template we provide that says this is how you day one train a caregiver through day 10, what they do each day and what they're responsible to learn, of course. So those technologies are in place at this point. Then we have our activities technologies that drive the business. So there's multiple technologies from standalone systems that we have that take the resident through different aspects of different countries to different environments to different, you know, eras, uh, systems and activities on the TV. Those are in place, the technologies to help drive where at this point there was books back then, watch TV. Now there's a lot of activities that technology drives through that business. Lastly is during COVID, 
we we created and partnered with a filtration company that helped us with all of our homes. It's it's a cost that is great to occur for us. They provide a filtration system that you know gets out ninety nine percent of the germs, bacteria, everything in the home. This filtration system takes out that we put into all of our HVAC systems. So again, when you're opening a home, imagine um, as a mom and pop on your own. You're not thinking of any of these. You're not thinking of developing these technologies, implementing these systems. You're just focused on how do I get open? How do I get my first resident? What do I do once I get open? There's no one to support you. There's no one to tell you that's right or wrong. You've hit red tape. How do you get through it? On the franchise level with Avondale, that's all provided. And that's, again, I always go back to why you join a franchise, the proven system of support and the proven system. So I was wondering, do you feel like the small home model competes with the so-called big box in your living? Or do you think that this is a, a product type that has its own unique customer base that might not otherwise have lived in a congregate community? That's a great question. We get asked that a lot. Um, we are an alternative to them, of course. So we're, we're not the same business models per se, of course. We're providing an, an, a different level of care, a more personalized level of care in a home-like setting. So that's, again, we, we, that's a major separation from the larger 30 to 60 room facilities that are still offering that same level of care at times. It may not be the same caregiver ratio because there's just more residents to caregivers. They may have more activities. They may have a movie room. They might have a pool. You know, they might have multiple porches. And we have some of that, but we don't have all of that per se. It just depends on the residents' needs. If our business model makes sense for them. Are they a competitor of ours? I would say no, honestly. They're a referral partner of ours. We, we work together in unison with a lot of the big box locations, we call them. Um, they are a, not a direct competitor of ours. We consider them a referral partner where we may have residents that want more of those services and we would ask them, hey, do you have room for so-and-so? And vice versa, when they have a resident that just doesn't want to be in that large facility feel, they refer to us. So when part of our marketing plan when we launch a location is introducing ourselves and trying to work with those larger facilities. And also, when we say we're an alternative, where there's a large facility for 6 to $8 million that's built out of you know 30 to 60 beds, there's typically research and a need. And we're an alternative need that's available. So I look at that as um, even mom and pop or residential assisted living homes are not my direct competitors because when we're full and they have a better two, we refer back and forth. It, it, so it, it, we, we always say like, I, I, we do we have competitors? Yes. We're all looking for a resident potentially. There's a shortage of 1.3 million beds we talked about. There's an ever-growing population of seniors and there's not a right fit for all in assisted living. So that's why I think we work well together, honestly, with the larger, more, more industrialized field locations and businesses. And, you know, we're standing on the cusp of a new year. Um, I know that we already talked about the, the very exciting growth that you have ahead of you. But other than that, what's next for Avondale? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we talked about the growth and like you said, um, you know, we do have uh, exciting plans for 2024. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to continue in first quarter of 2024. We see adding another two, one or two high level corporate team members to our, our team, which is going to help support the franchisees further, of course. 
we, we are going to continue to focus on technology and advance in our franchisees, of course, in their businesses. Um, and we have some exciting stuff going on internationally, honestly, where we, we have put a footprint in Turkey already. We do have an Avondale master arrangement with the whole country of Turkey. Someone acquired that. And we have several other countries that are interested in Avondale that want to bring our personalized independent level of care to those other countries and provide our care and our system that Avondale has. And I can't really say the countries yet, but again, it's another area of growth where we're excited about. And, you know, of course, I'm excited to travel to those countries and potentially work with those partners to get them open and operational. So there's definitely some real exciting things for us, both domestically and potentially internationally coming down the pipeline. I don't know about you, but I feel like the last 45 minutes have just flown by, and I feel like we could definitely keep this conversation going. Oh my God, going you're right. <laughs> but I think that is going to go ahead and wrap this up. Bill Bunting, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. That does it for this episode of Transform. I would again like to mention our Sales and Marketing Summit in Tampa, Florida on February 29th and March 1st, 2024. For more information, visit seniorhousingnews.com events. I'm Andrew Crispin for Senior Housing News. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.